going through our, our series on being truly free. It's a Robert Morris series. It's outstanding. And we've talked about, as, as just a backdrop, because you know, I know some of y'all have been in and out, but uh, I want you to think of sin in your life or strongholds in your life. The way the devil gets in and starts to create havoc in our life is through doors. And these are metaphorical, but these are metaphorical doors that are out there. And these doors are opened up when, when we allow sin to begin to come in in our life. Uh, things like, you know, just different kinds of addictions. Whatever the sin is, we begin to open these doors, and then the enemy comes in. But the problem is he doesn't stay in the room he comes in, does he? He may come in through the bathroom window, but he's going to go through the rest of the house. That's just how he got in. And so he gets in in all these various and different ways in our life. And it can be a lot of different things. And, and so we've been talking about over the last few weeks what some of those things are. And then, of course, also talking about each week what the solution is. And so I want you to know tonight as, as we talk about this topic, not only are we going to talk about what it is, we're also going to talk about what the Lord does to help us solve the problem. What I'm giving you tonight, because uh, you are getting a lot more information than I usually give you, you're getting my notes, <laughs> okay? And I've got more that I have that you don't have, but um, there's, there's a lot of notes here, and this is kind of what I go off. Usually you only get a couple pages, so you're getting a little more information. But um, let's, let's get right into this tonight. Breaking the snare of lust is what we're talking about tonight. Um, God has a great plan for our life, but Satan also has a plan. God's plan is for our good, isn't it? It's to give us life abundantly, to overflowing to the full. That's what he tells us. But we also know that Satan has a plan. His plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. You know, Satan is not your buddy. Satan is not your pal. He only has one objective in life, he and his minions, and their job is to destroy you. And just to back up here, and we didn't talk about this, but I want to explain why, because some of you might wonder, why is he so mad? You know, why does, the, why does the devil want to kill us so bad? What is it? And it's because God created us. We're, we're God's children, and God created us and loved us, has poured out his love onto us. And Satan, because he tried to rise up and take all the glory out of pride, okay, because he wanted everything to bow down to him, he began to take control. And, and here's the deal. Here, here, let me simplify this for you. If somebody wants to hurt you, they can come against you, and they might say nasty things about you, and they might, you know, they, and they could do that. They can even hit you. But if they go after your kids, how does that make you feel right now when I said that? Right? And so what Satan does, because he hates God so much, and he hates us, he goes after us. You know, he goes after us. He, he already realizes he can't overthrow God, can he? But he can get to us. And so he tries to do that. And the way he infiltrates is through these doors. Not these doors specifically, <laughs> but through the doors that come in our life. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the, the snare of lust, okay? Now listen, before we jump into this, I want you to understand right up front we're going to be reading out of Proverbs 7, verse 6. Now listen, what they're talking about here, uh, they're talking about a, a prostitute in the Bible, okay? They're talking about someone who's who's prostituting themselves. But understand what theologians tell us in this situation. Solomon is the one that wrote this. Solomon's the smartest dude that ever lived, right? He's talking about the, the snare of lust specifically. So when he's talking about this situation, he's not just talking about this one situation. He's talking about lust as a whole. 
So I don't want you to get down on women because he's not being down on women because he's going to refer to her. I'm going to say her a lot because it says that in the scripture. But I really want you to look at this as this is talking about the snare of lust, okay? So that we're all clear. I don't want you all to get hung up on that tonight. Proverbs 7, we're going to start with verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. Many theologians believe that Solomon actually witnessed the event taking place before us in the text from his palace window. And he wrote of the event. Of course, Solomon is regarded as the wisest person ever lived. So imagine for a moment, Solomon is just up in his palace. And he goes up to the window lattice work and he looks out and he watches this event unfold before him okay for at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and I saw among the simple I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding he was devoid of understanding he was passing along the street near her corner her being lust okay and he took the path to her house also highlighted in yellow in your notes in the twilight, in the evening, in the black, and in the dark of night. And here's two things I want you to notice here. The first thing is, the spirit of lust robs you of wisdom and understanding. I'll say that again. The spirit of lust robs you of wisdom and understanding. You say, Pastor, how do you know that's true? Watch this. How many of you have seen smart people do things really dumb? I mean, people that are, they're off the scale smart. But they want something so bad and then th- that they go after it and they begin to make really bad decisions out of that one thing. True? So understand here that the spirit of lust robs you of wisdom and understanding. Bobby, here's the notes right there. The second thing you see I've highlighted in yellow here is they're trying to hide sin. When did this go on? It says, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Trying to do it undercover. Why? Because we've all done stuff, and when you're going to do stuff wrong, you don't do it out where everybody can see you, do you? You sneak around. Shane will tell you, he's probably arrested people before in the middle of the daytime sneaking around a house. What are they doing? They're sneaking. In the daytime, why are you sneaking? Because you're up to no good, right? And the scripture's pointing out here clearly. It says, look, they're doing this in the middle of the night. Why? Because they're thinking nobody sees them. But I think it's interesting because in this situation, Solomon's watching, the king's watching. That's metaphorical, isn't it? Even when you think nobody else is watching, and there may be nobody within 100 miles of you, the Lord's always watching us. And I don't say that as a God's mad at you, I'm just letting you know you can't fool God, right? Let's go on. Notice I even put that in my notes. Let's go on. See, I tell myself everything to say, guys. You are getting all kinds of the inside information here. And, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. I highlighted that in your notes. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square. She was lurking at every corner. She caught him and kissed him. And I highlighted kissed in there as well. Remember, we're talking about the spirit of lust, not a person. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been watching a movie and it's really good, then all of a sudden there's a scene that was unnecessary or words that were unnecessary? Don't you hate that? 
I love, I'm into the movie, it's a great movie, but they, got, they had to get a PG-13 rating or whatever. And so they throw in a scene that doesn't have anything to do with anything else in the movie. And, and, and then all of a sudden you're going, oh, I didn't want to see that. Or the kids, you're grabbing eyeballs or whatever. You know what I'm saying? We've all done that, right? Notice where I highlighted up there that lust was loud and rebellious. It cries out for your attention. It's trying to catch you. That's what's going on here. It's trying to catch you. Notice this also. It says, so she caught and kissed him, and there was the shock factor of the kiss. How many times, how many of you would ever say somebody kissed you and it shocked you when it happened because you weren't ready for it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Tommy's like, yeah, <laughs> that happened that time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's the kid. It, it says, and she caught and kissed him. That's an interesting thought. And, you know, maybe he's taken aback. Now, listen, I have experience with electric wire around cattle. Anybody ever have any experience around electric wire? Let me ask you this question How many things in life shock you are good for you? Only when your heart's dead, okay? But that is an extreme case, right? Because that means you're dead, and if this thing doesn't shock you, you're not coming back. But that's the force that electricity takes, right? So 99.99% of the time, anytime you're around something that shocks you, you need to get away from it. And I, I think it's interesting when you see here that she kissed him, and there's the shock factor. That's the moment you run away. That's the moment you run away. Just a clue to everybody. That's that moment. What? Let's go on. With an impudent face, she said to him, this is interesting. I never noticed this when I read it before, by the way. I have peace offerings with me, verse 14. Today I have paid my vows, so I came out to meet you. I'm going to keep reading. Diligently to seek your face And I have found you, and I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Watch this next verse. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband's not home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on the appointed day. There's two things that you notice about that at least stick out in this section of Scripture to me, okay? The first thing is, and I I want you to see, verse 14 says, check this out. I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows. What is she saying? What is is the spirit of lust saying? Huh? Blameless. She's blameless. That's good. What else do you know? What do you notice about this? If somebody's paid their vows and they've made peace offerings, what have they just done? Worship. I just got back from church. What that's saying? Saying it's all good. Today I have paid my vows. I've made I have peace offerings with me. I just got out of church. It's all good. And here's what I would say, and this this is important. Don't ever think that church attendance, giving, serving, or any of those things cover sin. We've all done that. Now, this hasn't happened very often to me. As a matter of fact, only one time do I kind of recall somebody saying this to me. Well, Pastor, if you make me mad, I'll take my tithe and go somewhere else. Two things. One is, Miss Anita's the only one that knows what everybody tithes, so I don't really know what you give in the first place. So that threat doesn't really work with me. But if you're doing something wrong, look at that. That's kind of what 
but I paid my tithe. Really? You've done your vows? Really? I mean, y'all see this? That's what's being said here. In other words, you can do whatever you want to do, but I went to church on Sunday. I told you all that about that time I was in South Carolina, and I was out with all those kids. I was about 16 years old. We're all out on the dock, and they were doing everything they wanted to do. And one of the guys said, hey, we need to go out and go do something else. She said, oh. one girl stopped everybody. said, no, 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 we can't. We got to go to church in the morning. We're going to do whatever we want to do right now, and then we're gonna, but we got to go to church in the morning. Is that okay? Now, y'all know me. I'm the king of love and grace. I love mercy and grace. I live in it. But God's not stupid. And, and we can't walk in sin, consistent sin in our lives and expect God to bless us. We've talked about that. The path to blessing is obedience. And I'm not saying there is grace and mercy there for all of us. Thank the Lord when we sin and we fall down. Praise God, y'all. That there's grace for us. I am so, are y'all thankful for the cross? I am. But what he's saying here is different. This is somebody that's going, hey, I'm going and doing all these other things. It's okay. Is it okay? It's never okay. Wow. So we've got to always remember that. And, and I think it's interesting here that she actually comments on those things. You know, here, here's another thing that, that we see here. She says, hey, let us delight ourselves with love for my husband's not home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him. and He'll come home on the appointed day. And here's what she's just saying there. We're not going to get caught. We're not going to get caught. And how many of us have gotten into trouble in our lives because we thought we weren't going to get caught. Right? Boy, y'all are quiet. This is the quietest y'all have ever been. I don't have a list of everything you've ever done. If that's what y'all are wanting, it's not on my iPad. It's really okay. <laughs> but but here, it's true, right? I mean, this is just, I'm just trying to be real. We got to be real, right? And, and look, trust me, I'm, I'm as at fault as anybody in this room. I understand that. But, but here's what we have to see. Okay, and here's where we're going with this. Watch this next comment. We're not going to get caught. We're not going to get caught. Go down to verse 22. Or actually, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. And this is where you can speak what the spirit of lust does to you. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks until an arrow has struck his liver. How many hunting, hunters do I have in the room? If you shoot something in the liver, what's going to happen? It's going to die. As a bird hastens to the snare, and look at this last verse, and you can circle it, and I highlighted it for you in advance. He did not know it would cost him his life. He didn't know. And listen, again, we're talking about the spirit of lust, guys. And it's not just a sexual thing. It can be any kind of addiction. Gambling addiction. It can be anything. Remember, anywhere that gets in. It's, remember, we're talking about doors being opened. And so what we're talking about here is anything that's got a hold of you, the end result always is death. Every single stinking time. It just is. It just is. So there's some character, oh, let me keep going. This is good. This is good. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, 
Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Again, talking about lust. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. Watch this last verse. This is incredible. And all who were slain by her were what? Strong men. I wrote on my hand notes in there before I typed this. How many of you have ever said that may get everybody else, but it won't get me? I have. I'm too strong. It didn't say all she kills are fools. All she kills are weak. All who were slain by her were strong men. That's an incredible statement. Incredible statement. So what are the characteristics, the spirit of lust, what are its characteristics? How do we recognize it? The first word, I've got a bunch of D's here for you. The first word is desire. Desire, that's in your notes. It's the word desire. And, and it's actually a Greek word here, uh, obviously Hebrew here, but there's a Greek word called epithumia. Epithumia, and, and here's what's interesting about the word desire. It's actually a neutral, and the word can be good or bad. Desire is not a bad word. Sin is bad, right? Love is not bad. This word itself, desire, is not bad. It's what you do with it. It's like a gun. Guns are not bad. It depends on what you do with them. This word is neutral. What does that mean? Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 15. It's in your notes. Then Jesus said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This word desire here is epithymia. It's the same word. So desire is not bad. Desire is God-given. But anything outside of healthy desire is wrong. So desire is okay. The desire to achieve is good, but when you, this was my big thing. So when you get but but when you overachieve or when you go way outside and everything else begins to suffer around you, now it's wrong. Do you see that? So there was nothing wrong with achieving. It was the overside. There's nothing wrong with love. You know, there's nothing wrong with with sex. There's no kids in here. But it, within the confines of the right relationship. But when that goes outside the lines, now it's gone from, and now it's wrong. So desire is not wrong. Desire is God's God-given. It's what we do with it. But it starts with desire. I'm going to show you some stuff in here. It's really cool. Number two is deception. This is big. Deception. You'll be satisfied. You'll be satisfied. If you do this thing, you'll be satisfied. Guys, I want to tell you right now, I wrote in the notes, Robert Morris didn't, but I wrote in the notes this because how it impacted me when I first saw this was all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's where it started. First time we see this. What, what does Satan do? Satan, he's been doing this to us since the... This is the original deal. Hey, God's holding back from you, but if you eat of this, mm -hmm, you're going to learn something that you don't have now. And what happened? She became dissatisfied. She felt like she was lacking something. Therefore, she and he, as we all know, wasn't just her. They both, what? They went after something that was never intended. Why? Because if you, if you do this, you'll be satisfied. Here's what's interesting about lust. It's never enough. 
It's never enough. Now, I can promise you, I can, <laughs> it's just not enough. You can never make enough money. You can never have enough of whatever it is you need because you're trying to fill a void that you can't fill with this. It's just the truth. And, and you can put it with any addiction because whether it's drugs or anything else that the addiction is, it, it's never fulfilling. Why? Because there's only one thing that's truly fulfilling, and that's God's love. Look at the opposite. This isn't in your notes. But go to Isaiah where he says, come and drink and eat. You're going to come here and be satisfied. Eat to your heart's content. Why? Because what God provides us fulfills us. But what Satan provides is, is just death. It looks shiny, but the end result is death. Right? Well, it's important stuff. Proverbs 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. What God gives us, his rules, they're designed to give us life. See, here's the thing that we need to understand. And I remember thinking this as a kid. God gave us these Ten Commandments because he doesn't want us to have fun. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, as kids, I thought it was a bunch of rules. And it wasn't until later when I began to get mature, you know, like 40, <laughs> that I began to understand that God had actually put these rules in place to protect us. Every one of those rules is for our benefits, not for him. He doesn't need rules. He could have very well said, don't play in traffic, right? Don't handle rattlesnakes. They're not your friend. I mean, he could have listed all that. Why? But the, the, the bottom line is here is it's for our protection. But the whole deal is, guys, and this is what you got to get. This is the big point you got to get. What the devil tries to do is deceive you. And he'll say to you, if you have this, now you'll be happy. But here's the deal. The bar always changes. Goes up. Because it's never enough. And the problem is we get into a cycle. And we don't know how to get out of it. That's the problem. Okay? I put in here in your notes, lust never satisfies. It's never enough. Never enough. Look at this, Proverbs 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's pretty clear. Anybody have any questions? I mean, wow. Look at that. Hell and destruction are never full, and the eyes of man are never satisfied. You always want that other thing. You get that AR-15, you got to have a scope. <laughs> i got to have a, you know, come on, fellas, am I the only one? Yeah, Dwight's going, yeah. <laughs> you know, you never have enough. And again, let me, let me just correct this, because I don't want this to get into this religious-sounding do's and don'ts thing. God wants you to have things. He loves to bless his children just like you love to bless your children. He wants to pour all this out on us. He really does. But when you get that out of line, it just messes you up because it doesn't satisfy you. He wants to bless you out of your relationship with him. He wants to bless you because you're his child and he wants to show you that he loves you. It's never about the gift. It's always about the giver. Maybe that's a better way to say that. That makes sense? Okay. 
So there's nothing wrong with desire. Let's understand that. Ezekiel 16, verse 28. We're talking about deception still. You also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. In other words, you did what you wanted to do thinking it would satisfy you and it still wasn't enough. You got there and realized it just didn't taste very good. Right? I can tell you a funny thing about stuff that didn't taste good. I was working when I was in college actually in high school and college, uh, we used to go down to downtown Dallas and there was a restaurant. It was called Baby Doe's Restaurant. It was a big steakhouse in Dallas up on the hill. I think they moved it now, but it was a big fancy steakhouse. And they would hire a bunch of us kids that didn't have any sense to come park cars. I drove some really nice cars at 17. Do not ever do this, folks. Just so you know, we'd wait until they went inside. and go, You know, I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> But we'd go out there and we'd run and run and we'd run for four or five hours and they paid us awesome. And you'd park people's cars all night long and bring them to them, running up and down hills. Well, I'll never forget one night, uh, they came out and said, what do you guys want to drink? And I said, I want a Sprite. You know, and so they brought out everybody's drinks and they handed me my Sprite and it was soda water. The Sprite part had died. Was that satisfying? No, it took me a bit to figure it out. <laughs> kind of like that milk I talked about Sunday. I'll never forget that. Still, it's very vivid to me. It was like, oh, my, you know. And you're tired, and you're ready for that big drink, and oh, it was terrible. That's how lust is. It promises to deliver something, but at the end of the day, it does not. Ever. Okay? All right, so here's the third characteristic of lust, death. James 1, 14 through 15 But each one of us is tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. Death. Proverbs 7.23, we'll go back to that scripture again. Till an arrow, this is about, he's watching this young man. Till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost him his life. Now check this out. I'm going to share something Robert Moore shared. But he believes, or some theologians believe, that Solomon watched this from his window. The penalty for adultery at that time was stoning to death. They conjecture that Solomon may have brought that couple in and had them stoned. According to the law. That's why they think he said that statement because he knows where it led the guy because he called his guards in and said, second door to the right, go get those guys. Interesting. But I think it's very interesting also that the death may not necessarily be physical. The death may not be physical. Check this out. It can be the death of a marriage. It can be the death of a family, the death of a dream the death of a future. When we allow the spirit of lust to invade, it ultimately causes death. The end result of sin is always what? Okay? Now, I'm not going to leave you here, and I'm not going to call it a night. We're actually going to talk about the solution, but I do want to talk about this for a moment. Probably 10 or 12 years ago, I ran into a guy at an airport in Dallas that I had worked for that was an incredible uh, businessman. This guy was incredible. 
and um, was leading large organizations that some of you would probably know. And I, I just happened to walk, get out of the airport. I was going to a meeting somewhere, and he was coming out of the same airport. And we stopped, and I ran into him, and he was standing on the side of the street, bawling uncontrollably. He was in a suit, tie, had his briefcase, and was just standing there, bawling. And I got out of the car and walked up, and there he was. And I hadn't seen him in years. And I knew exactly what had happened. Because he'd had a problem with lust. And I briefly spoke to him, and, you know, he was trying to compose himself. And, and I knew what was going on. Because I'd watched it for years. And his life had fallen apart. And it was like this weird image, it's burned into my mind. That there was this guy that had everything, and he was standing on the side of the street in front of God and everybody, completely losing it. And that's where it ends up. Unless you do these things. Number four, deliverance and discipleship. Deliverance and discipleship. Now, let me tell you why both of these are important, and there's actually two Ds here and not just one. Because if you have deliverance without discipleship, you're probably going to go back into bondage. If you get free, remember the Bible tells us, we talked about this the other day, if you get free, you can go back into bondage as a Christian. It's one thing to get free, it's another thing to stay free, right? And so... You need deliverance, but you need to stay free. So that's where discipleship comes in. Discipleship is the process of learning who you are. I'm just, this is Chris's definition. Discipleship is learning who you are in Christ and maturing as a believer in that. You mature as you become to know more and more about who you are, who the Holy Spirit is, who God says I am. Those are the people the devil runs away from. He doesn't mess with those people because he can't do anything to them. Okay, that's, that's a, when you begin maturing as a disciple, you are formidable in the spirit, okay? And that's what's really important about that. But here's the deal. You can't have discipleship without deliverance. If, if you're not delivered from that issue, you can have all the head smarts you want, but if you're still struggling with something, it's still there, okay? It's still there. You have to be delivered from those things. So they go hand in hand. Does that make sense to everybody? And Jesus delivers us, but then he wants us. Jesus said, go make disciples. Right, because he wants people to mature out of their challenges. And then they don't end up in spots like this, right? Does that make sense? Everybody, y'all with me? Okay, all right. Let's look at some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice that I didn't highlight it but in yellow, but it says bringing every thought into captivity. Here's what you have to learn to train yourself in as you begin to grow and mature as a believer. 
when those thoughts, because see, everything starts, starts as a thought, guys. Everything, everything starts as a thought. I got to tell you what I did. Y'all be proud of me. I'm going to go and brag on myself right now. Because, you know, I ran 2.1 miles the other day, just like this. I mean, it, but it was, it was awesome, right? I ran out here at the church, so if I died, I'd at least be on holy ground. I mean, that was important to me. But anyway, I, I didn't really run. I kind of ran. But anyway, I did that thing, and then uh, Trish has got me on this no-carb thing right now, I'm really, which is awesome because you can't have anything good except meat, which, and I love meat, so that's good. Um, but last night she went to go take a bath because that's kind of what she does every night. That's her wind-down thing. And I thought, I'm going to go have a bowl of cereal because it'll be good. <laughs> right? And I'm like, she'll never know. And here I am studying this stuff. And I'm like, oh. And, but then here's what happened. I actually walked in the kitchen and opened up the deal, and it was granola. I mean, how bad can granola be, right? And so I opened it up, but it's chocolate granola, so that's bad. So I opened it up, and I look at it, and I thought, and, and here's what I said to myself. I said, is this the way you always want to be? And I shut the door, and I said, no, I don't. I shut the door, and I walked away. I took that thought into captivity. Just to make you feel better about yourself, I did it again this morning, so I had to do the exact same thing. But I didn't open the door this time, so that was good, right? But, but here's the deal. When we talk about dealing with these challenges, you have to, it has to stop right here. You cannot dwell. You cannot allow yourself to think on these things. Because watch this, and Robert Morris pointed this out. This young man that ended up in this situation, this illustration that we're looking at here, which really happened, this, he planned that out. He knew where he was going. So where did it start? Joyce Meyer has a book called The Battlefield of the Mind, and she is right. It is right here. So what do you do? This is one of the ways I train myself on certain things. Is, is look, if there's something on the TV you don't need to see, look away. Right? Or turn it off. I actually walked out of a movie a while back. First time in my life I've ever done that. Trish and I were together, went to see a movie. I don't even remember what the movie was, like Mouseketeers or something. No, it wasn't. It was something. But literally, there's stuff started happening that we didn't know was going to be in the movie, and we literally got out and walked out. That doesn't mean we're great and wonderful. That just means I knew that if I sat there and watched that junk for too long, what was going to happen? It was going to get in here. Right? So the battlefield is your mind. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Because that's where it starts. And, I, and I'll say this too, and this is for the guys. Look, pretty girl walks up, you, you're, just, you're, in the, you're in the hunting aisle. And a pretty girl walks up and you see her, that's cool. Pretty girl, I'm, I'm looking at the feed right now. I'm look, you don't, don't keep looking. I'm just being real. You can't help it the first time. You can help it after the first time. Oh, I dropped my feed bag. You no, know, now, now you're wrong, right? Hey, you, are y'all too old to hear this? I don't think so. Come on, I'm just being real. Because this is where the battle is. And what does it say? It takes down strong men, strong men who think they've got it. 
recently, two megachurch pastors, one, the, pa- the pastor of a 30,000-member megachurch. I read this yesterday, just resigned, got in trouble with alcohol. 30,000 members in South Carolina. I'm too strong, man. He literally was kind of saying that in his apology to the church. I cannot imagine putting you guys through something like that. But he allowed himself, he, he allowed himself not to have the accountability he needed, and he got into trouble. And now, 30,000 member church. How do you recover from that? Right? But it started, it's just a little bit. It's just, a, it's just a little bit. I'm going to show you something. I thought about this today. I know y'all can't all see me, so some of you have to use your imagination. This door, right, this door, got a handle on both sides. Your, the door to your mind, handle on one side. You've got it. Do you understand me? There's no handle on the other side. It's on your side. The only way this door opens is how? Okay, let me show you something. As long as I keep this shut, that door is flush, you cannot pull it open. There's nowhere to grip this door. You understand? But if I open it this much, and you can get your hands in there, a strong man can open that door. Right? That's all the devil needs. And what happens in our mind is we think, it's just a little bit. I'll open it, close it. Nobody will know. I'll be all right. Until one day, the devil jumps in the house. And the end is what? Death. So, I don't have this in your notes. I didn't have time to put it in there, so you'll just have to listen to this part. Strongholds. Here's the deal about strongholds. Strongholds are also the same word, like the word desire. Strongholds are not good or bad. They're just strongholds, aren't they? Are there good strongholds in our life? Yeah, the Bible tells us that God is our fortress. That's a stronghold. God is our stronghold. So strongholds aren't a problem, but we also know that the devil can have strongholds in our life. But notice this, this word where it, it talks about up here where it says, take every thought captive. Check out the word captive. It's a derivative of the word spear. It's a derivative of the word spear. I did not know this till today. It was awesome. And so what he means by take every thought captive with that derivative being the word spear is that how do you take somebody captive back in that day? Appointing something, Right? And so what they're talking about here when you break this down is you take these thoughts captive at the point of the spear, and the point of the spear is the word of God. Listen to me. When you need to resist sin, temptation, or challenges in your life, your willpower alone will not be strong enough. You have got to go to the word of God. Because let me tell you something. When you begin to quote the word of God in your life, faith begins to rise up. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me will be condemned. When you begin to quote those things, I promise you, faith will begin to rise up. But here's the problem. If you don't have that in reserve, what are you saying? Jesus wept? Because that's the only thing you know. 
right? So you've got to be in the word because the, the word, what's this? We talk about the sword, the Bible, the, the word of God, right? But you've got to have, you've got to be able to draw on something. And if you get into those situations, you don't have anything to draw from, you're in trouble. Have you ever tried to shoot a gun without a bullet in it? That's disappointing. It's the same way. When you run into the devil, you need to have all your clips ready. And every one of those bullets is a word. And so what we're saying here is when you take these thoughts captive, you take them captive at the point of a spear, the word of God. Now, how do I know this? What did Jesus do when he was tempted by the devil? The word of God says. That's Jesus. Was he there when it was written? Still quotes the word. The way to defeat the strongholds in our life is we need deliverance, but we also need discipleship. And discipleship is is where we come in and we begin to learn God's word. But you have got to do, guys, I can't do this for you just on Sunday morning. This is not just a Sunday morning deal or a Wednesday night deal. You've got to begin to study and feed yourself. Why? So when you're going through challenges, and and please hear this, okay? Please hear this. Whatever challenge it is that you're facing, you need to find out what the word of God says about that situation and stand on that word. Do you understand? There's power in that. There's power in God's word. And if Jesus quoted God's word to get rid of the devil, why should you be any different? Knowing all the Pokemon or Mons aren't going to help you. You better know some Jesus words, right? You better, have, you better have something on the inside of you so that when the enemy comes against you like a flood, you've got a banner to raise up against him, and that's the word of God. That's why it's important for us to know that. That makes sense? So, let's say you're in a situation right now where you find yourself facing this challenge. The first thing that you gotta be willing to do is, is recognize that it's there. And I can't tell you how many people I've dealt with over the years that don't have a problem. And I'm not going to repeat some of the stories because you've heard some of them. But the truth is, until somebody recognizes they've got a challenge, regardless of what it is, nothing's going to change. So if you're here and you realize you're struggling in this area, lust is an area that you're struggling in, then the first thing we've got to do is come to grips with the fact that it's there. And it will destroy your life. Because remember, the devil, it doesn't matter how he gets in. He's going to get into everywhere that he can. One of the things that Robert Morris said that I thought was really interesting that resonated with me is he said, when death comes in like this in these different areas of your life, it doesn't just destroy your marriage, family, and everything else. It'll destroy your creativity. Why? Because your mind is consumed over here. Well, that really hit me. When we allow the devil to come in and begin to mess with areas of our life, it starts to affect our work performance. It starts to affect how we treat people because it begins to spread out in all these other areas of our life. Like a sickness, it doesn't just impact one area. It impacts all of them. So if you recognize this is an area you're having a challenge with, we need to talk. If you're a lady, I'll get you a church. She's sitting back here. We need to talk. Why? Because it's not okay. 
And Jesus died so you could be free. And he wants you to be free. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of who he's called you to be. And this isn't okay. It's not okay. You understand? Okay. Let's pray. And then I'm going to have a couple things for us. Father, I just thank you tonight for your word. Lord, and I pray that, that each one of us would receive it. And Father, including me that we would receive what you have to say and, and receive the truth of it. And, and Father, it would, it would sink deep inside of us. Lord, like David said, search my heart, O oh God. Show me if there's anything in here. Show me if there's a way in here, Lord, that's, that's opposite of what you want me to have. And so, Father, we ask you to do that. Lord, that brave thing, because we know you see our hearts, Lord. You see our lives. You know what's going on, and you love us so completely and you're so patient with us because you don't want any of us to perish. And so, Father, I just pray that we would hold on to that lifeline that you give us of Jesus. That hope and that redemption and that freedom. We just thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Next week, um, I will be in Texas. I go to school. This is my one, one week a semester of school this fall. So we'll be gone, so we'll have another teacher for you guys next week. When I get back, we'll do the last class in this series, and then I'll talk to you about what we're going to do the next series for the fall. So that'll be uh, starting next week. Well, I mean, we'll have, it'll be two weeks before that goes on. So we'll have one more week. Thank you, Crystal, for showing up. We're glad you're here. Hope you got all your steps in. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let it go.